My diagnosis with a heart problem was years ago. I'm overdue. Do a little speed now and then. He's never going to quit. I want to go back on the road and do some more shows. He associates the success with the drugs. What are we telling him to go back to? It's not a good idea. What if he died on stage with people laughing because they thought it was part of his bit? Do you think there's any chance he's fabricating his diagnosis? Maybe Jonathan setting off a little bit of a comeback tour. What? Plot twist. <laughs> Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, man, I'm Brian Brushwood, and that was the preview for the Hulu version of the Amazing John- Jonathan documentary. There was a competing documentary that came out earlier, uh, about, uh, I think, a month ago, uh, that is available for free on YouTube. Uh, mm. I sat through it. Uh, please remind me to never be caught on camera talking about how uh, good I was or how important uh, my act was, because that's the modern version of Dante's Peak Volcano, right? Is we just have two documentaries about everything: Fire Festival, Amazing Jonathan, etc. Well, and in this case, what's interesting is, uh, uh, it's that would be true if Volcano was aware of Dante's Peak and made <laughs> Dante's Peak the bad guy of the volcano one. And like the volcano quickly, was like, trying to blow up yeah, to yeah. defeat Dante's Peak. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, this this seems fascinating. It seems like uh, maybe this was a documentary that 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 went twisty and uh, at some point it looks like maybe access was cut off to the documentarian. Later and, in the trailer, he makes it clear that he is aware that there's another documentary going on. Yeah, or, or finds out in mid-production yeah. that, that he's doing another documentary this on there. A, August 16th to Hulu and select theaters. Yeah, uh, excited about this. Uh, Amazing Jonathan, if you're not familiar, is an amazing magician. Make sure to check out all of his stuff. Uh, Truly one of the more transformative talents of, of, uh, of the 80s, 90s. Well, another uh, another use of the words exciting, amazing, and transformative talent uh, apply to our guest today. Uh, joining us, contributor to TechHive.com and Macworld.com, Scott Wilkinson. Hey, hey, how you guys doing? Thank you so much for joining us. It's so oh, good to see you again. happy to be here. Absolutely happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. We uh, are going to try to mine your home theater knowledge as much as possible during today's episode. Appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, to chat with us. And you, we we will talk about this a little later. But you you are poised with the 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 shears and your cord, but you you have not been able to cut it yet, huh? No, I have not, and I'm happy to talk about that. It's uh, it's somewhat of a problem. And all if right. anybody's got any suggestions, I'm all ears. We're coming up with that in the How to Watch segment, but let's start off with our primary target. All right. Uh, there's an interesting article in the New York Times kind of following up on the story we've talked about in the past uh, about Steven Spielberg's push to get movies that don't have a 90-day run in theaters disqualified for the Oscars. He was not successful at that. Uh, but the New York Times sort of sat down with a lot of directors and actors and producers and asked them... Uh, about how movies will survive in the next 10 years, particularly, you know, looking at theater movies versus streaming movies. Uh, it's a it's a long and interesting talk, lots of different perspectives in there. But uh, I pulled a few of these principles out for us to kick around today. Some movies, comedies, are kind of being thought of as just good for streaming, not for the theater, if you go by these comments. Uh, some movies are shot with TV or even smaller screens like tablets and phones in mind. Uh, one one person particularly mentions how Lawrence of Arabia had that big wide desert shot 
Uh, and they said, you know, you probably wouldn't do that today. Uh, movies like Crazy Rich Asians are proving that people will still show up at the box office, even for a comedy. And Tom Rothman, who is a producer, said, and I quote, young people don't go to the movies. They go to a movie. In other words, going to the movies isn't a thing. They get pulled into the movies when a movie comes out that they decide that they want to go see. Uh, Scott, how does this making you feel? Well, it's certainly the, the landscape is shifting under our feet, no doubt about it. Um, I myself find value in going out to the movies. Now, one reason is I want to see uh, certain types of movies before I can see them at home. I want to experience them in what I consider to be the best cinematic experience, which is a Dolby cinema. Uh, and there are a couple hundred of them probably by now across the country. Uh, which have superb dynamic range, Dolby Atmos sound, a huge screen. That's certainly one thing that uh, distinguishes commercial cinemas from home theaters, except for possibly, you know, the most lavish home theaters. But in most cases, the screen is quite a bit smaller uh, than it is in a commercial cinema. Uh, the other thing that I happen to like, and I know I'm not, uh, not everybody does, but I value the communal experience of being in a theater with a bunch of other people uh, and <clears throat> having a greater sense of focus on the on the movie, sharing the experience, not having the distractions of home, right? If your kid is crying in the next room or the phone rings or you get tired or you want to get a snack, you can turn it off. And, and that, to me, kind of takes my attention away from really getting into the movie, which is really what movies are all about, in my opinion. So Brian, I, 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 I don't know. Would it be would it be too cynical for me to say, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Like, uh, at the end of the day, what uh, movie theater is just one of many different ways to download a story from a, a human <laughs> or a, a, story, yeah. a collection of humans' brains into yours. And and uh, we can argue about, like, books are better than movies. Those are just different uh, content distribution vehicles. Um, think about this. Think about everybody who grew up watching all the great movies as a child. Uh, very likely you watched them all wrong because what you saw was an abhorrent pan and scan four by mm. three interpretation of a widescreen show. So so none of it was even the, quote, authentic movie. Uh, and now we're in an age where filmmakers are considering the fact that, OK, if I'm going to put text on this screen, I need to punch it in because some people might be watching this on a cell phone and they're not going to be able to see small computer screen type on a, on a mm. screen. Um uh, to me, that's that's light years ahead of what I had to grow up on watching pan and scan, you know, garbage translations before before it was even really uh, popular to put black bars on the top and bottom to get the authentic real widescreen mm -hmm. experience. I I don't know. There, one of the other articles that we looked at, Tom, was this 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 boohoo that the Paris Theater went away in Manhattan, and then a giant list of here's this obscure movie that only five people went to well, see. It looks like the Paris Theater is going to close, uh, and it is the last single screen first run theater dedicated to platform releases. So now, it's not a dollar I'm theater. It's not it's not a it's not an art house theater per se because it does first run theaters and it's the last of its kind because it only has one screen. I, there's one in LA that I wanted to point out uh, and that is the El Capitan. Now it's owned by Disney and it only plays Disney movies, but it's a single screen theater playing first run as soon as they come out uh, movies. 
they also sometimes do stage shows before the movie and so on. And I remember that article said something about how uh, the platform releases. And I wasn't quite sure. They never really defined what that was, but they distinguished it from movies that have stage shows and, and other things going on, which the El Capitan does. But yeah, I, I believe the, the platform was reta- was talking about the, the type of, of film. Like, uh, I think the Paris uh, in, in particular, like only has one type of film that they that they show uh, movies in. And it's always in that same format. Um, in many ways, the description reminded me of the early days of the Alamo Drafthouse when it was a single screen theater at Fourth mm. and Colorado, and they did do events. I remember entering an Atari Twenty Six Hundred tournament down there. I remember going to Tenacious D singalongs and Andy Kaufman tributes, where they would play. Mm. Technically, they said it was a party celebrating Andy Kaufman, but really they had to do that legally because all the screen showed was copyrighted footage of all his appearances on all the t- uh, TV shows or whatever. There'll always be a place for that house party experience but but i i when i read all of these quotes about the boohoo of this boutique cinematic experience i i just don't feel it it just feels like i get it you had a precious association with this but the implication that the younger generations who by and large aren't going to movies as often are not having any less or any in, 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 as much of a meaningful artistic experience, I, I just don't buy. That seems like the provenance of, of all older generations to say <laughs> the kids today, they don't get it. Get off my lawn. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 let's uh, let's take a step back here and think about the history of the movies. I, I don't know that there was too much worry about radio killing movies but certainly when tv came along they're like people thought that's it that's the end people aren't going to go see movies anymore and, and before then, that before that when movies started coming out they th- there was a concern that live theater might die exactly and then vhs came along and that was going to kill movies and then dvds well that certainly must kill movies well the internet will kill movies i do think and i and i was going to end on the theater comparison scott because i think that is a very apt comparison which is People did used to go to the theater. In other words, it's the weekend. I will go to the theater and see what's playing. And when movies came along, they stopped doing that. People started going to see plays. I heard about this play and I want to go see it. I I heard about Hamilton. I'm going to go see Hamilton. But they didn't just show up for whatever is playing. And I think that's where movies are headed. I I think that that quote is pretty good, which is, yeah, you have to make a movie that people want to go see because people have so many other options for the weekend. They don't just go to the movies to see whatever happens to be released that week. Yep. Yep. I I agree. The, the, The business of movie making is changing. And the technology of being able to get content on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, uh, I think is changing. And I don't think movie theaters are going to go away, but I think what uh, what plays in them might well change. Yeah, no, and, and no different than than uh, plays. You know, live theater plays went away. In fact, you know, we have bigger Except musicals and plays. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's it's no different. Theaters and opera hasn't even gone. If anything was going to go away, you might have thought it was opera because <laughs> you know, most most people say they, they don't like opera, but enough people do, uh, or at least say they do and attend, that opera has continued uh, to exist. Now, mm-hmm. we don't have charts for opera. We don't have box office releases for opera. I don't even know whether there are new operas out that the opera fans get excited about. So we may be headed for a little bit of stasis, but I, I don't think theaters, movie theaters go away. I think 
that it does become more limited and it does change quite a bit. I, I have a question mention, for you guys. I'll, I'll, let me let me just quickly mention about opera. Uh, Fathom events shows mm. operas, live performances of operas in movie theaters. My wife likes to go to them. I don't particularly enjoy opera, but she does. So she goes to these Fathom events and watches an opera in a movie theater being streamed, essentially, mm. uh, from a performance, say, in New York or wherever. Yeah, yeah. And, and that that has become kind of a thing. So I got a question for you guys. Uh, number one, I will always and forever go to movie theaters because I like two things. I like I like knowing that I am experiencing a movie at the same time as the first of everybody else. Like I like I like being there for premieres. I like being part of the cultural gestalt to talk about it. I also mm -hmm. like getting spoiled with with uh, delightful food and and adult beverages in a high quality production environment. I I am less Scott a fan of the communal experience. I don't I don't mm. love it when people sit next to me. A friend of mine in fact blew my mind when he says he just you know, pays double for every seat he gets. He always gets the end seat and buys the next seat in and never has Whoa. to sit next to a person. And I'm like, that's brilliant. And I think I want to steal that. But instead, I just I just pad my left and right with children. So so I don't have to be near other people. <laughs> uh, well, if you have handy children, then, then but, it's OK. But stuff is going to change. How far off do you think we are from instead of a, uh, let's say, a 20 plex? How far off are we from a 100 plex? where there's no show times you simply reserve reserve a room like it's a karaoke booth and you announce when you're going to show up you sit down and you get set and you say i'm ready and then you press a button and off it goes and you and your family get an exclusive thing i would love that i would love I that i can't i can't see that happening because it's no different than being at a home being at home, really. Right, except uh, other people wait on you, and you you, you get all what? the. I mean, it's yeah, pretty great. That's true. But the theater. Think of the theater owner. You know, they'd have to uh, bear the cost of putting together a hundred rooms like that, and hire staff to to serve all those rooms. I don't think it's practical. I mean, but, but again, I think that that's the way to save the cinematic experience is to not be practical because what's practical is staying at home. How can you compete with practical? You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to compete on practical. Instead, you charge uh, four times as well, much and you make it an extraordinary experience. Well, okay, except the theaters don't make their money on tickets. I mean, uh, even though ticket pr prices are rising, they make it on you know their concessions. Oh, and and now that that is a good uh, that's a good wrench in my gears because they would have to report <laughs> numbers somehow. In my mind, you were renting the room, and it was sort of you know what. And, and in fact, we've reported on multiple day and date releases, like I think Tower Heist back in the day, where you could pay fifty dollars and play it at your house. I'm picturing that at some kind of mm. uh, uh, hundred plus. That does exist. Yeah, that does exist. You can you there are several services that let you do day and date with a. A, a first run movie release, you know, costs thousands of dollars. Yes. And, and I would like to it. see that change. I, I don't know. Basically, Tom, uh, long story so short, maybe I'm a reverse cynic in that I, I don't feel this <laughs> this doughy eyed uh, nostalgia for the way things have been and feel and I feel no need to preserve it for future generations. But well, yes, but at the same time, you're saying, but I will continue to go to movies because there is something about going to the movies that I like. Yes. Well, uh, and, 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 I, uh, to, and I think to, that's more more to the point. I, I think it is less about, oh, I'm sad to see a thing go. I get that nostalgia trip doesn't, you know, doesn't really pull at your heartstrings at all. But you, if 
if the question was, will all movie theaters shut down? I think you would be sad because you're like, no, but I like that experience. I like having somebody bring me food and drink and being able to get the good, the huge picture and the immersive sound and everything. And I, I you want that to continue, right? Yes. And, and to, to clarify, I think that's the reason I don't feel any of the fear or the nostalgia stuff is because I don't believe them. I think everybody's bemoaning. What they're really bemoaning is that it's no longer the most popular way to see a movie. It's no longer the biggest thing. I think all of them had this, oh, glitz and glamour, your premiere of your movie, and everybody's has to watch you. I'm sure it's great if you are one of the very few people at the top of this tournament who have a published piece of work, and everybody, because there are no other choices, has to come and clap and, and bow and, and red carpet and up and down. I'm sure it's very pleasant for all of them. But but much like vinyl, the movie cinema, uh, in theater experience will never, ever go away. And me personally, I'm, I'm with you, Scott. I like the vinyl experience i will always do vinyl uh but also i'm not afraid of vinyl going away because it never will uh, nothing ever goes away instead you well, just split that's the thing right eight tracks are one of the few things that have ever actually gone away actually right gone away yes. yeah <laughs> uh, so I, I think there's, I think you're right, Brian, but I think there's also some catastrophizing, right? Which is, oh no, the receipts are lower. Oh no, uh, this, this long time bastion of single screen runs is closing. That means it's all over and all of the theaters will now close. And it's like, yeah, that's not true either. No, 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 no. I don't, I agree with that. Although there's only one way to make sure that movies continue to be made and that's to support us on Patreon. Yeah, look, we didn't want to bring this up in public, but uh, secretly we've been financing all of Hollywood, okay? You guys want to know where your donated dollars go? They go straight to Hollywood. We we realized that if we wanted to do a show talking about watching movies and TV, the only way to do that is for us to personally finance all the movies and TV that you watch. And you know what? It's a lot of money. If you want to help chip in, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash cordkillers. Allow us to, to continue to single-handedly fund all of Hollywood with a few of your extra dollars. Yeah, if you don't want to see movies die, support us at patreon.com slash cordkillers, or all movies will stop being made. That's true. That's a true fact. Not even an yeah. exaggeration. It's probably not an exaggeration. And to clarify, uh, Beatmaster80, uh, no, your money did not go to Dark Phoenix. Phoenix, Phoenix, oh, <laughs> Dark <crazy>. Phoenix. <laughs> it definitely uh, didn't go to Dark Phoenix. Freudian <laughs> <laughs> um, <Already had> slip. <laughs> that uh, uh, we paid for that in counterfeit dollars. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, there's a complicated uh, matter of uh, of how we fund all of Hollywood. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll talk to you in a PM about that. Uh, for now, let's talk about how to watch. All right, folks, uh, Tech Dirt has an article about subscription fatigue out right now. Uh, there's all kinds of other folks talking about, oh, no, The Office is going to leave Netflix uh, in, in a few years when I graduate high school. What will I ever do? Well, uh, there are some catastrophizing going on here as well, but there's also some some real problems with subscription fatigue. Uh, I want to talk about whether it will, in fact, drive people to piracy or shake out into just fewer options so we, we don't get overwhelmed like we are now, or both or neither or some other combination. Uh, the Office uh, is Netflix's most watched show. NBC is bringing it 
from Netflix to its own streaming service in January 2021. So you've got more than a year. Uh, Netflix will also not be able to keep friends on the channel forever. We've talked about that before. And part of what's fueling subscription fatigue is the coming launches of so many different services. Disney Plus in November, Warner Media with their streaming service in 2020, NBC with their service in 2020, Apple TV Plus coming this autumn. Uh, and there's others that we talk about all the time on the show. Now, like I did with theaters, let's let's look at the history though. Netflix once had everything on DVD, and I remember people telling me constantly that Netflix streaming would never catch on because of bandwidth limitations and limited choice. Uh, they have nothing to stream. Why would anyone do that? Netflix streaming was once mostly movies, and people said, no, Netflix will die because it lost stars. It doesn't have the stars movies. It can't possibly survive without the stars movies. Then it got TV shows, and Netflix was other content from TV shows. And people said Netflix would not survive because it did not have originals. Uh, and then Netflix got some good originals, but they're not as good as HBO. And Netflix wouldn't survive because it's losing its popular library material like The Office and Friends, and that's where we are now. So is this time different for Netflix? And if it is or is not, do we need to subscribe to everything, Scott? Well, I think not. But we have to be careful and look at what do we want to watch and subscribe to that. I, I certainly believe in subscription fatigue. I think that that's a real thing because, for example, if you want to watch uh, Star Trek Discovery or the new Picard series, you have to subscribe to CBS All Access. If you want to watch The Office, you're going to have to go to, uh, I guess, NBC. Uh, so, you know, depending on what it is you want to watch, you might have to subscribe to two or three different things. As we'll talk about a little later, I'm facing a similar problem with trying to actually cut the cord and find the channels I want. I can't find them all on one service. So do I have to subscribe to more than one service in order to get them all and then switch between them? The same thing is a problem here. Uh, and it's a real problem. Uh, yes, it's a real problem unless you want to take uh, uh, the leap into becoming what we have lovingly referred to as a uh, cord swinging. Just uh, be a cord <laughs> swinger. You, you sign up for one thing. You love it deeply for a month, maybe two. And then you say get bent and you go on to the next thing. And it's easier than ever. We mentioned before you could get uh, one-time burner cards with $5 on them. You, you, Privacy.com, you press a button, it generates it. You use that. And then when it runs out, they're all like, hey, give us money. And you're like, how about no? And then you, you, you spent $5 and got a month to binge everything you want. I mean, it's a tremendous value. I feel like... Yeah, you got to put forth a little bit of effort, but there's more choice now than there's ever been. And it's easier now to not get trapped in any one service or in all of them. And you're still saving just a boatload over what you'd be paying in cable as well. And certainly if you have uh, if you if you have the time to binge watch, one of my problems is I don't really have the time to binge watch. Uh, then that would work great. Sure. You watch uh, all the episodes of Star Trek Discovery, for example. You know that are out there boom you watch them all in less than a month whatever and then goodbye cbs all access until picard shows up and then you sign up again right 
Yeah, well, I, and, and, I, I think a lot of. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Oh, I, I was going to say, yeah, and you actually bring up a really good point, which me, which is that from the game theory strategy, all of a sudden, the way for all of these services to win is to be constantly having something around the corner that keeps you on the hook. HBO is doing that right now. You know, Game of Thrones yep. ends, and they're all like, "Who likes Chernobyl?" And there I am, <laughs> continuing to it's watch. A weird thing to say, but I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who likes but, Chernobyl? <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> but but my my point is is that it incentivizes constantly coming out with great content over the long term, and I I, I feel like uh, the the customer ends up winning in that. I, I I think a lot of the subscription fatigue is is a bit of a psychological issue that we as humans just have, which is if we have more than three choices, it's too many, right? Yes. Mm. And and so there was a simplicity to cable which was, oh, I have no choices. I I have cable, <laughs> and it gives me the channels it has, and I can choose to pay $100 or $120 or $150 a month. Uh, those are my choices, but I have just the one service. And now it's looking like people thought, oh, I'll be able to just do Netflix, Hulu, and maybe Amazon and get everything, right? And mm -hmm. so when... NBC announces and Warner Media and Apple, people start to go, no, 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 that's not why I don't want all of these services. But when you compare it to cable, what you had was the uh, inability to have price flexibility. You could have the one thing at its price and that was it. And it didn't have everything. The office reruns weren't always on a channel that you had. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like these large, vast library driven services like Hulu and Netflix where you could find so many types of shows that you would never be able to find. So it's kind of an apples and oranges comparison. Mm -hmm, and in mm -hmm. the end, I prefer the idea of having a few different services that I can choose whether to spend my money on or not uh, and and then be able to cut them off at any point rather than being locked in a contract so that I can get the cheaper price so I don't have Absolutely. to pay as much, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm, what I'm hoping is that subscription fatigue will be solved by these services not all surviving and the catalogs having to go somewhere, which takes them into a smaller number of choices. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see the news story? I saw uh, uh, it was in one of my news feeds today about Apple TV Plus aiming at us at not being Netflix with a huge variety. I've got content. Yeah, I've got that coming up a little later in the show oh, uh, sorry, to, to mention that interview. No, it. no, but it's perfectly appropriate here because uh, they what they're saying is we want to be different. You know, we don't want to have the huge back catalog, which is a differentiating thing. So, yeah, yeah. Brian, do we need everything? Uh, yes, but not all at the same time. I think that's where, where Scott's fear breaks down is yes, we do need everything and yes, we should have everything, but there's no need for us to have everything available all at the same time. If you don't mind, you know, swinging, you can, you can, you can get around. That's mm -hmm. the, put that on my gravestone. Okay. So <laughs> the problem with the, the one thing we haven't talked about is sports, live news, live coverage of events, like maybe the award shows or something, mm -hmm. uh, Scott, you were saying you still have Dish because you haven't found the streaming service that has all the channels you watch, plus a DVR without time limits. Those That's right. Are the, so those are the two things that you need to happen. Does does this talk change any of that? Do you go, well, maybe I could live without this or that? Well, certainly I could say I could live without this or that, but, uh, you know, the, the, okay, I am relatively old school, and I'll admit that. Mm. And I don't I also don't have time to binge watch. So live TV, you know, I, I D 
DVR shows that I like on the channels that I like, and then I'll watch them when I can. Uh, and I have not found a streaming, a live TV streaming service that a has all the channels I want that I that I like to watch. Even the locals. I mean, as far as my research has indicated so far, none of them carry the CW. Not that I watch that much on the CW, but right. it's a local station then, and I, I can't get it. Some of, One of them, Sling, doesn't have CBS or ABC, for God's sake. Mm. Um, and none of them carry PBS, and I do watch that. So, uh, And then there are the national channels, uh, Animal Planet. Uh, I watch for uh, Treehouse Masters. Um, Game Show Network, I watch for Idiot Test. Great show. You should really watch Idiot Test. It's a wonderful show. Um, History Channel is not on all of them. Lifetime's not on all of them. MLB, my wife and I like baseball, so we like to watch uh, MLB, and that's not on all of them. So so what do I do? do they're, they're all on the order of uh, 40 50 60 bucks a month for, the, for the, the main ones. Sling TV you can get for less, but it has a lot less on it. YouTube TV, Hulu Live, PlayStation View, and DirecTV Now are kind of the big players in this space. Um, and none of them have all the channels that I want. So do I do more than one? Then I'm up at the cost of the, my Dish subscription. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and and you know, one of the ways, there's ways to solve everything you talked about, but it starts to get complex, right? Exactly. Well, you can use the CW app, but you have to watch ads. Or you can yeah. use an antenna, then you have to buy a DVR and manage the DVR. Correct. Uh, or you, like you say, you can get multiple services. Or you could look for, uh, ver you know, live uh, or or library stuff uh, of of shows you like, and then but then you can't watch them when they're new, uh, you, because you know some of those shows will show up on Netflix or Hulu or mm -hmm. or else else for a like limited that. time. That's the other thing yeah, that yeah. me about Netflix is that they only they're, they're only shows are only there for a, a usually a limited amount of time and then they're mm -hmm. gone. Yeah, Hulu's the same way on a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it it is a uh, it is a, a conundrum and. Uh, you know, we haven't lined out all the specs on, on Scott's knees, but if you have some suggestions for him, uh, send us an email, cordkillers at gmail.com. All right, let's talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. Not like you, it's all about location, location. Under Surveillance. Hollywood Reporter says a TV series based on Neil Gaiman's Sandman comic will be produced by Warner Brothers Television for Netflix. It's reportedly the most expensive TV series the DC Entertainment has done. Netflix put out a thing today saying they're they're not going to spend as much on their big budget uh, stuff anymore. But this is apparently one of the last through the door. I don't know. Alan Heinberg, uh, who worked on Wonder Woman uh, and ABC's The Catch or Grey's Anatomy, is set to write and serve as the showrunner of Sandman. Uh, and Gaiman will be one of the executive producers as well uh yeah I, I must confess i never read the sandman comics although i know their, uh, their reputation is second to none so we are the worst people to tell you that sandman <laughs> is coming tom have you read uh, it either sandman no you, oh because uh, looking at uh, at least uh, i alan heinberg's uh the catch and Grey's anatomy both of those are very like dra soap opera drama mm -hmm. sort of shows i mm -hmm didn't expect Sandman to be in that kind of vein. Now, is the Wonder Woman you're talking about with Alan Heinberg, is that the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a great movie. I, I enjoyed that movie. One of the few DCs that I actually liked. 
Well, uh, Sam and folks, tell us what you think of the idea of Alan Heinberg running your favorite property at courtgillers at gmail.com. Meanwhile, Sony Pictures has reached a deal with CBS to bring 13 episodes of the fourth season of One Day at a Time to pop. If you're like, what's pop? It used to be called TV Guide Channel until people didn't need TV Guide anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then they changed it to pop. Uh, so we will be getting new One Day at a Time episodes in 2020. Pop also got the rights to air the first three seasons that were made for Netflix. Uh, CBS Broadcast Channel is also going to run repeats of One Day at a Time later in the year after they premiere on pop. It's the first time we've seen someone pick up a show that Netflix canceled. Uh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that is extraordinary. Uh, I, I, I love that we're, uh, I love anytime we have a new first. It's, it's, it's remarkable to see this new space emerging. I was going to say, I wonder if they're going to play the original one day at a time series as well. Make that available. Well, that's a classic CBS one, right? It uh, is. Yeah. It'd be interesting if they, if they brought that into the mix too. Bryce, I know you were a fan of the Netflix one day at yeah. a time. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it got picked up. Um, but I also, I wonder how I will watch it cause I don't have a streaming TV service. Um, I don't really have access to pop. The pop stuff that I watch usually is uh, Schitt's Creek, which is on Netflix. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how I'll watch this. I would like to watch it, but maybe I'm I'll have to get. Well, would I even get it on CBS All Access? Probably not, because it's a pop. Thing. I, well, no, I'm wondering if they will bring it to CBS All Access after mm. it airs on CBS, because um, it's a CBS show right. uh, now. And if they've done the deal right with Sony, they'll be able to bring it to CBS All Access once the deal with Netflix expires. The problem with bringing it straight to CBS All Access was that Netflix had a moratorium on streaming it on another service for a certain amount of years. So yeah. you probably won't get it in 2020, but once that Netflix deal expires, then yeah, I would expect them to, to bring it as back catalog for that. Hmm. Oh, and W. Scott S. says Pop is on YouTube TV. Okay. I had a good experience with YouTube TV, so I might check oh, that okay. out. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Netflix announced a new lineup of original programming from Japan, including I Naki Mori de Sakebi, a three-part series inspired by a real multiple murder case. That show is coming this summer, directed by Sean Sono. Coming August 8th is The Naked Director, based on real-life porn director Toru Muranishi, as played by Takashi Miike, star of Uchijima Lone Shark, which is apparently a very popular show. And horror franchise The Grudge comes this spring, directed by Sho Miyake. Finally, Ridley Scott is executive producer on Wash Westmoreland's The Earthquake Bird, about a woman who becomes a murder suspect after her friend disappears in Tokyo. Man, uh, I, I, I'm too far out of the loop on the Japanese content to really have a take on this. Bryce, does so, any of this... Do any of these f sound fun? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, uh, we, we've we've sung the praises before about how Netflix is making us a more international species than we've ever been. And, and this is just more of that uh, ideological cross-pollination that, that makes humanity great. Yep, I agree with that. I don't know that much about these particular titles. Uh, Japanese content can be very interesting. It can also be kind of gross, <laughs> in my opinion. So, Depends on what I'll, you're watching. Uh, Samurai watch Gourmet is not gross. It's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> I, I think he was Bryce talking about Terrace House season two. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very well. It's usually oh, okay. It's not. Uh, yeah, this these are cool ideas. I don't. I don't. I don't know any of the names. I feel like I've heard of Takashi Miike uh, at some point, but I, I don't even know. I, I don't know a lot of the actors and actresses. More Grudge. That'd be cool. You know. Yeah. So that's where I'm at.
Uh, yeah, this is this is all. I I think the takeaway here is like uh, suddenly Netflix is paying off and exposing you to things that you would not otherwise be able to be exposed to, and maybe that'll help. Yeah. Author Michael Chabon has been named showrunner for CBS All Access's Star Trek Picard. Uh, if you didn't know, Chabon writes books like The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay and Wonder Boys, among others, and has been on the Picard writing staff from the beginning of the development of this new show. The series is set to debut later this year. I find this intriguing. I, I don't know what to make of it. Hey, man, he doesn't just write books. He also writes movies like the 2012 blockbuster Disney film John Carter. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Did he write the original I, book or I, the no, 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 no. John Carter of Mars is like a hundred years old. Okay. I I unfortunately sat through that movie in the theater. <laughs> uh look, I'm just saying it could go either way, because he also wrote Spider Man two. So uh, I I rather well, like that one. And with content, with material like like Picard and what happened to him since uh, the next gen, I'm certainly in on that. Yeah, I I, I think I'm, well, here's the scenario that my hopeful brain put together for me. Uh, Michael Chabon was put on the writing staff because he he has written uh, a little bit of Star Trek before. Uh, he's written movies. Uh, he's got a sense of, of storytelling for sure, obviously, from his novels, if nothing else. Uh, and during the development of the show, uh, they noticed that he just really got this show. And all of his ideas were the ones that clicked. And they said, Michael, you just need to run the writer's room. Go for it. Be the showrunner. Here's your big chance. Not that he needs a big chance. He's a super successful author. Uh, but, you know, I'm hoping it's because they they found that he was the right guy for the job early on. Uh, because otherwise it does seem like an odd choice to give someone who's not been a showrunner before uh, the reins to this heritage piece of content yeah i would say with the level of expectations that is the moment that you take a risk on an auteur who has a clear vision i i would like very much to believe in your reality i would like to subscribe to your reality <laughs> i hope i hope you can another <laughs> example of an auteur is ridley scott he's done a number of tv shows um one of my favorites believe it or not is a series from your called numbers you oh, sure. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do. I never really watched it, but I heard a lot of oh, good things I, about I it. I thought it was great. I thought yeah. it was really great. So, um, you know, there is precedent for for somebody from the movies or other mm -hmm. genres mm -hmm. or other media coming in and doing TV well. Uh, finally, Avengers Endgame will arrive for digital on July 30th. We finally got the dates. July 30th for digital and August 13th for physical media, so your Blu-rays, your DVDs. The press release noted that it will have six deleted scenes, a Stan Lee tribute, special sections for Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Bro Thor is what they call it, the section on Thor, uh, plus the usual making of, you know, the bringing it to the to the theater uh, with with the Russo brothers and the gag reel and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have not heard people buzzing about the bits of extras that they showed in the theater. It sounds like and I don't know if anybody doesn't want to be spoiled on the extras in, in the re-release of Endgame, but uh, it sounds like Stanley Tribute was one of them uh, and a delete. One of the deleted scenes is one of them. And then some other stuff. Oh, Spider-Man Far From Home, like a couple minutes. Mm. Oh, so they did show a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah, you were, you were, you nailed it, man. Yeah, they, wow, they, they did use that. that. That didn't go over well when I suggested it. I like, I like finding out. I was. I think I was... you said like twenty minutes, though. I yeah, think sure, sure, sure. Off. But, but, well, but, jeez, uh, the movie at first was three hours long. Adding six. I mean, it's all. It was already too long. 
Yeah, well, I disagree, man. <laughs> I, I, that's uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say them's fighting words, but I am gonna say that maybe we want to uh, move into notes. <laughs> okay, all well, right. I, I'm happy that we finally have a digital date for Endgame, so I'm looking forward to to owning that. Uh, yeah, a few other notes here. Uh, trailer out for Jumanji: The Next Level. Uh, the movie is adding Danny DeVito, Danny Glover, and Aquafina along with the returning cast. Uh, though the Endgame avatars are now channeling different people. Then last time, arrives in theaters December 13th, Netflix released several cast photos for its upcoming series The Witcher, based on the books by Andre Sapkowski and starring Henry Cavill. Quibi has ordered a series about female animals called Fierce Queens from BBC Studios' Natural History Unit. Quibi set to launch in April with short-form series. Netflix announced that Lena Headey and Benedict Wong, Aquafina, and Sigourney Reaver are joining the already star-studded cast of Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, which has, like, Mark Hamill and everyone you can think of. So stoked. Uh, and finally, the producers of The Arrival have picked up the rights to a Ken Liu short story called The Message. It's about an archaeologist who reunites with his daughter during a mission to study a long-extinct alien civilization. I'm looking forward to that one tremendously because I loved The Arrival. I thought it was a wonderful movie. Uh, certainly away from the aliens attacking and everybody fighting all the time it was a much more thoughtful story and the message which i read as a short story is also very thoughtful uh and and really engaging unfortunately like the arrival it's a short story so they have to add a bunch of stuff to make it a full-length movie but uh, i think i think it worked with the arrival i hope it does with the message as well I think in the right hand, sometimes short stories are better for movies because you're not cutting, right? And mm. people people with beloved uh, stories are like, oh, but you left out this and you left out that yeah, and now it doesn't good work. Point. Good yeah. point. So, but again, uh, if you add the wrong stuff, then no. That, that <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on, what we've been watching. Uh, Scott, tell us uh, the thing that you've been watching that you're most excited to talk about. Well... The, the thing that I watched recently, uh, it's, it's a, you know, you, you asked for the one thing you watched recently that, uh, that you loved, and I really loved the finale of The Big Bang Theory. That has been a favorite of mine since it started. I call it my laugh therapy um, because those characters, I know those people. I've been to school with those people <laughs> or people just like them. Uh -huh. And the people and Chuck Lorre and the people who write that show and the actors who, who do the parts just just put me in stitches. And the finale, I thought, was a beautiful send off. I'm super sad that they that Jim Parsons in particular sort of said, I'm done. I want to do something else. I can understand that, mm. but I want it to keep going. <laughs> Well, you know, now that this is complete, Brian, we could consider it as a library watch at some point for spoiler time. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll just set aside the next, what, four years, five years? <laughs> well, it was 12 seasons. <laughs> of 26 episodes each, right? Uh, I guess. I don't remember what the season count is now. But it wasn't the short short 12 episode seasons we get these days. I'm sure it was the longer. At least Probably. 2022, yeah. What, what, about, what about you, Tom? What did you see recently? Uh, this weekend, I finally watched Apollo 11, oh, uh, which is the the edited documentary footage, uh, the the found footage, along with previously uh, unreleased audio and restored footage. And uh, just uh, like you said, Brian, a pleasure. Uh, oh, man, I, saying, I had my fingers pleasure. crossed. I was like, please say you loved it as much as I did. <laughs> just just amazing. I, I, I need to watch it again, uh, you know, because I, I was too 
enthralled to catch everything because I was like, how did they get this looking so good? How does this feel like it was shot yesterday? You know, there's there's just so much so much so well done. And if you haven't heard us or heard Brian uh, wax eloquently about it before. It's entirely original footage. There's no voiceover. There's no narrator. Uh, there's no linking of stuff. It just goes from one thing in the uh, to the other. And they use sparsely some Walter Cronkite news reports, mostly uh, commentary given by Mission Control during the point during the uh, during the mission to give you the story and then everything else is just beautiful visuals and natural audio. I think one of my favorite things was the audio from the crew module while they are on the dark side of the moon. So they're out of communication with Houston. And at the time, nobody could hear what they were saying. Nobody, yeah, you're just fingers crossed, hoping they come back into contact when they swing back around the moon. And so getting to hear them talk like without, reservation just chatting like oh check this out okay is that true okay. oh and i think we're coming back contest houston are you there versus the the holding your breath that was going on on the other side i just found that fascinating wow. that one I haven't moment seen this yet but man I, you're making me really want to see it oh it, it's truly extraordinary scott uh there's this one moment where they just have like a lobby it's just it's just cold footage from a lobby and the the tv just happens to be on and you hear walter cronkite or someone say like well let's check in uh, whatever news is going on that nobody cares about because we're on the freaking moon um ted kennedy <laughs> crashed his car in uh, chappaqua new york no, and a girl right, died right that happened at the same time yeah and, uh, and it's like what holy cow it's, yeah, uh, I had no, I, I, I had never put that together. Uh, that 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 was news at the same time as yep. as the moon mission. Yep. Uh, and and I think, what well, I think it might have been the control room, but they have some audio of folks saying, yeah, they don't care about the moon anymore because of this story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys. Uh, I didn't see this one. Did you guys see the movie First Man? Yes. As a matter of fact, this is a fantastic companion to First Man. I highly recommend watching First Man so that you get a sense of the dramatized version of everything. Uh, it, it's it's a wonderful introspective. Uh, you feel like you're you're getting the Neil Armstrong experience, and then to see moments from First Man. You remember uh, how exciting and terrifying all the alarms were as they were trying to land on the moon, and he landed with mm -hmm. virtually no fuel to spare. It's yep. after you've seen that in First Man to see the actual footage of that exact moment along with all the audio of that moment is mm -hmm. is positively bone chilling to know that that oh wait that's exactly how it actually happened it's remarkable the calm of that alarm sequence the real alarms going off and you're like that that doesn't sound good and they're like yeah okay <laughs> it's shut off now great okay here we go <laughs> like, was, uh, impressive uh, I can't wait to see Apollo pain. 12. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of uh, a Brian, rehash of the you? original. Uh, hey, uh, so I binged a couple of things. I got caught up, almost caught up on documentary now. I watched uh, all of season two, which was a slog. Uh, and But season three, they, they brought it with a vengeance. Season three is really, really funny of documentary now. And uh, I've been binging What We Do in the Shadows. And uh, Tom, yeah, did you ever watch any of these or did you fall off? What we do in the shadows, the TV series? Yes. Oh, no, I watched it right to the end. Okay, yeah. because I finally made it to the Vampire Council, and oh, oh my goodness, was that uh, was that a treat? So, such a, yeah, so good. Uh, that, that, was, I, that was the last one we had to catch up on before we caught up live. Ah, got it, got when it. We were watching it earlier this year, yeah. 
All right, uh, Mr. Castillo, please tell us what to be on the lookout for. Hi, uh, we got a letter from Dan. Uh, he sent this a little while back, but it's streaming now, so that's why we're talking about it. Uh, and let's read his letter. Uh, Dan writes, hey, all, I'd like to recommend the sci-fi show 12 Monkeys since the series finale aired on Friday. This is... Friday last June. Uh, it's a sad truth that today that complicated storylines result in lower viewership for programs. For 12 Monkeys, the characters have depth and real emotions. The story makes sense inside the, the framework that's built by the creators, which is important for good science fiction. Also, I suspect many people have just assumed it's a rehash of the 1990 film, uh, 1995 film, uh, but it is definitely not. If you uh, want to watch something that has depth, well-rounded characters, and a great story, this is the place to find it. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, so this is, uh, if you don't know the show or the movie, it's about a time traveler going back to 2015 to stop a virus outbreaking a virus outbreak from happening caused by the army of the 12 monkeys uh, it's very loosely based on the 95 film which was starring bruce willis there are four seasons of this completed series it's on hulu now in the u.s and if you're outside of the u.s check out uh something like justwatch.com to see availability in your country if you got something we should be on the lookout for email us cordkillers at gmail.com brian yeah, man. Hey, you know that we support ourselves through a whole bunch of different stuff, including our fine patrons who allow us to finance all of Hollywood. But also we sell stuff. Tom writes books and uh, we make our cash in a little store called Scam Stuff. It's gear for the modern rogue. If you want to be the cleverest guy in the room, everything from lockpicks to magic tricks to learn how to eat fire, then uh, check it all out. Scamstuff.com, man. Lots of good stuff there. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. So we have talked about this uh, in the past, but it's been a while. Uh, if you've forgotten, there is a service called Lowcast that for free streams your local broadcast television channels. And it is expanding because AT&T is donating $500,000 to the nonprofit organization that runs Lowcast. Uh, Uverse and DirecTV have added the Lowcast app to their set-top boxes as of May 30th. And if you don't recall, Lowcast is legal, or at least it thinks it could pass legal tests, because it does not charge and does not offer channels out of the broadcast area. It is a nonprofit service. So they are they are using some laws about repeaters that apply in their case, they think, even though it wouldn't have applied in other cases that were charging money, because that would be a rebroadcast. So far, no one has tested Lowcast in court, and it's available now in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, Washington, Houston, Boston, Denver, Baltimore, Rapid City, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hmm. And they have apps for multiple platforms like Roku, Android, uh, Apple TV. Uh, and it just gives you a live stream of all of your local broadcast television. In a few cases, they don't have something. Uh, they'll, they'll point you to a free digital antenna. Uh, uh, if you if you don't have a, a channel available on Lowcast, but they had everything that I could think of that I would want to watch when I tried the LA one earlier today. Um, they're relying on user contributions to be funded and say they are a broadcast translator. So uh, they receive and transmit a primary local broadcast TV station and don't need a copyright license to do it. I feel and, like this is a very sophisticated and savvy move on AT&T's part, but I don't know what they get out of it directly outside of, uh, I, actually, I, I, I don't know. It's, it it's I guess good. it's it's hard for me to believe that they would just do this out of the generosity of their hearts. Well, <laughs> if I'm in a carriage dispute, 
and I have an option for my customers to legally watch that same channel that I'm oh, in a carriage dispute wow. on. That certainly would give me a lot of leverage, wouldn't it? Oh, wow. So that's useful for them to keep them around just as a bargaining chip. That's brilliant. Okay, very savvy. In Price Rise say, News, PlayStation. I have to say that this will help help me in my search to cut the cord. Oh, yeah. I hadn't heard of this before. Yeah, oh. it doesn't have a DVR service on it, but it does well, give okay. you like that CW channel, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, if you use something like Play On or something to do the DVR, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that works. I don't know. In Price Rise News, PlayStation News is raising its prices <laughs> by, uh, oh, it says uh, View. PlayStation View. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, uh, I, as I said it, I was like, that can't be right. PlayStation View is raising prices <laughs> by $5 a month across all tiers for all customers. Sling TV raising the cost of Sports Extra Plan for Sling Orange to $10 a month. The add-on plan was already $10 a month for Sling Blue subscribers. Yeah, uh, I almost passed on this, uh, but Bryce nudged me. He's like, no, 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 because these, these price rises keep coming, and I'm like, oh, here's some more price rises, but this is the shakeout of the streaming services to say, well, if we're going to be able to provide all those channels that Scott needs, we're going to have to charge you extra money to get them. That's how we end up uh, looking just like cable again. Yep. That's well, the prices right. are inching up. They're still not the same as cable, but yeah, it, it does closer. It does kind of feel that way. Uh, and and we talked about this earlier. Scott mentioned Apple's head of services and programming, Eddie Q, telling the Sunday Times that Apple TV Plus is prioritizing quality over quantity. He confirmed that Apple will release new content every month, and the first series to be released when it launches in the autumn will be the morning show with Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carell. Ah, those kings of quality, fine purveyors of such series as Planet of the Apps. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to keep bringing up Planet of the Apps until they finally get a hit. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. <laughs> I mean, yes, they're all Planet of the Apps until, until I hear otherwise. Amazon says it's going to add a live TV tab to its Fire TV interface. The tab will look for live streams from select apps that users have installed. It will group channels you recently viewed, plus others with similar programming. I think this is one of the first new like box interface ideas that I've heard in a long time that seems like it would really be helpful, which is, uh, you know, Apple TV does this a little bit with its watch now with news and sports, but just having a tab that says, hey, uh, you've got all these apps and this is all the live stuff uh, that's on them right now. If you want a quick look through the guide, I think that could be really helpful. I, I agree. I think it's brilliant. Strategy Analytics notes that Roku's streaming TV platform accounted for more than 30% of U.S. sales of connected TV devices in Q1. 41 million Roku-based devices and TVs now account for 15.2% of all media streaming devices. Sony is in second place with the PlayStation 4. Uh, Amazon's Fire TV OS ranked number two in terms of streaming TV sales in the quarter with 12% of sales, followed by Samsung's Tizen at 11%. And Google, Android TV, and Chromecast at 9%. So Sony not in the high sales, but it's in the install base. Roku leading sales and install base right now. Man, Roku is the walking embodiment of convenience Trump's fidelity, man. It's, it's, I never, I, 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 I was not. I don't know. I, I feel like I've been saying this for a while and I suspected it was right, but I always perceive Roku devices as underpowered and, and here they are sitting on top of the world. And the way they're winning is not, I mean, we've talked about their device, like the Roku box sales are, are falling behind Fire TV, but they don't care because they are the operating system of choice Yep. unless you're a Samsung or, you know, or, or an LG. Uh, and, and that's helping or them. Or Sony. 
Yeah, yeah. And Sony does Android, right? Isn't yeah, that what they, they yeah. But um, TCL and Hisense, they're they're big behind Roku, b building that into their TVs. Scott, do you use Roku for anything? I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I use a Roku Ultra or Ultimate. I forget which one it is, the 4K model. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't look, doesn't look too bad to me. Uh, I also well, use Apple TV 4K uh, sometimes. Uh, specifically, like uh, I, I think about UI issues, it's a little bit soupy. Ah. It's it's a little slow to move around, and you know you, you feel it. Uh, Fubo TV launched a free ad-supported streaming network called Fubo Sports Network. The channel will be available on Zumo, a service similar to T Pluto TV, as well as on Fubo's own base package. The channel will launch with original shows and movies, and hopes to include some live niche sports as well. If I could just say, this is how you decide if you've been listening to Cord Killers for long enough, if that made sense. <laughs> it's not just word if, salad. If you're, if you're new to Cord Killers, you're like, wait, Fubo, Zumo, and Pluto? What? What? Uh, Fubo is is a is a one of the live streaming TV packages that started by focusing on sports, and they still have probably one of the widest varieties of sports TV streaming out there, but they've been adding channels from other places like AMC and, and such. Uh, this is a really interesting strategy to create kind of a window into Fubo with a lot of talk shows and documentary style shows to get out there on a thing like Zumo and say, okay, if free users that don't want to pay anything, here's an introduction to our personalities and the kind of sports that we cover and a chance for us to promote like, hey, and if you want to watch these sports, subscribe to Fubo TV uh, and you could be watching all these games yourself. Yeah. Let's move on to some dispatches from the front. I realized that I didn't know about Zumo and I had some FOMO about that. But now that I've installed Zumo, I feel better. <laughs> uh, we got an email from Joseph in Chicago who said, hi, I love the idea of picture in picture for the Apple TV. For me, I'm not a big TV person. However, when I binge, I usually do at the same time as I pull a night studying for a test, working on a computer science master's or a project for freelance work, basic bootstrap web code. For me, if it's past 9 or 10 p.m. and the really tedious stuff is done, using AirPlay with Netflix Netflix playing picture-in-picture picture is great. If Netflix is playing from the Apple TV instead of from the computer, while an Excel sheet or text editor can be both up there, it would be a great use of Wi-Fi resources, and I can study while finally finishing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a great series that knows itself well. Thanks for your time and attention, Joseph in Chicago. Uh, meanwhile, Rodrigo writes in saying regarding picture-in-picture picture on Apple TV, he would find it very useful for browsing while watching another show or sport. Right now, I have to finish whatever he has to finish whatever he's doing to uh, or watching to stop and watch it on other programs or channels. It's something he misses from the olden days of cable TV or satellite TV when you could bring up the guide without stopping the current program. The announcement is only for the TV app on the Apple TV. He would hope that it would be included in the API so other apps can make use of PIP as well. Scott, where where do you stand on picture in picture? Uh, the goo goofy gimmicky feature or something that that is necessary and useful? No, well, I guess for some it's necessary and useful. For me, it's not at all. I don't I don't miss it one iota. And mm. the reason is, I am not a big believer in multitasking. The youngsters of today think they can do three things at once. They really can't. They're actually quick quickly code switching between them. But I don't work that way. If I'm watching TV, I want to watch that program. I don't want to then say, oh, well, while I'm watching this, what else is on? Or uh, I'll work on my spreadsheet while I'm watching this. No, I, I've, I'm not into that in the least. So I'm perfectly happy to see it gone. 
Uh, we got an email from Troy in Arizona who says, recently you had viewers ask about how to take their shows on the road. I have a solution. Play on. Every time, every time we mention anything about taking stuff with you, somebody brings up play on. Uh, the play on app works because it watches your streaming show for you while it records. Uh, you can then copy the recording to a USB drive and take it with you because play on is watching your shows as if someone is sitting there, it's able to make recordings of shows that aren't set up for downloading. However, this also means that it counts as a stream. So you may need to run it overnight. So it's real time. Uh, it is not clear if you would be considered to be circumventing copyright protection, if you did this. Uh, PlayOn has not been sued out of existence because PlayOn has been able to defend itself saying, we're just recording what's on your stream. That's that's all we're doing. Uh, and that itself has been tested in court because of DVRs. DVRs say what's on your screen you can record because you're watching it. Uh, so I, I've always been a little unsettled about recommending PlayOn as a perfectly safe and approved alternative, but it does work. Uh, it's only real downside, practically speaking, is that you do have to play the thing real time. It's not like click, download, and you know, in a minute you're done. And they, they certainly, man, I remember play on from a decade ago when it was just the way for me to see stuff in my living room that resided on my desktop PC from the other room. But obviously they've evolved and now they're claiming right on their website that they that you could record everything from Netflix to Hulu to YouTube. And even as I say these words aloud, that sounds sketchy as hell. That sounds, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see if they keep on sticking but they, around. Like you say, they've been around for a decade or more. They haven't been, they haven't been sued out of existence. So I think they found a loophole to exist as a company. Uh, I don't think most uh, broadcast organizations, uh, studios are going to go after you for using them. Um, but there is a little bit of a gray area around it. So, you know, we just always like to make sure people realize that before they try something out. But yeah, uh, there is... It is a real legitimate company. It's not like a scam company or anything like that. Byron writes saying, Killers, I am disappointed in you. Namely, I'm disappointed in your lack of excitement when talking about the upcoming Amazon Prime series, The Boys. Now I will give you the benefit of the doubt and say you're just not aware of the property. So let's see if I can make two quick points to change your mind. One, The Boys was an extended comic book series by Garth Ennis. If you don't know who that is, prior, his prior big hit was a little title named Preacher. Number two, the Amazon show is being developed by Eric Kripke, creator of the show Supernatural, along with the team of Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, big part of the development team behind Preacher on AMC, which Brian Brushwood totally loved. Uh, if that's not enough to get you excited, let me give you an example of the types of themes they cover in The Boys, since that was not immediately clear. We all loved and respected the comedian celebrity Bill Cosby, but when we found out what he'd been secretly doing, now replace him with a name like Charles Xavier or Superman. What do you do to stop a guy from doing... What he's doing? Oh wow! This uh, I, I thank you for correcting all this, Byron. Uh, this does sound very exciting. Uh, yeah, and also Dan Trachtenberg apparently directed the first episode. Uh, oh, which, of the which, Boys. which we found out after our published date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so all all good reasons. I like that he says two quick points and then gives us three, and they're all good. <laughs> Made up for that point that Joe Biden missed during the debate. Everything balances out eventually. Topical, topical humor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go uh, watch Politics, Politics, Politics with Justin Robert Young to get that joke. Hey, uh, thanks, Scott Wilkinson. It was great having you back on the show, man. So nice to be here. Happy to be here anytime. If folks want to follow your great work, where should they go? Well, I am currently publishing, posting on uh, techhive.com, and I've just recently started doing reviews of true wireless in-ear monitors on macworld.com. So 
Go check me out there. Uh, if you want to reach me by email, it's uh, askscottwilkinson at gmail.com. Excellent. And if I get a chance, I'll even answer your question. <laughs> Fantastic. Even better. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also carried on diamondclub.tv. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next time. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here. And it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh, my gosh. Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. classic names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cord killers and pledge $5 an episode and be one of these amazing people like this be one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>